Prince remembered from the current. He was such a larger-than-life character who produced such incredible music, but, I mean, he's a, a towering figure in rock and roll. He is. He's, there's a religious almost element to it um, that I've noticed. I mean, he's the when I did my, my first interview with him, like in 85, it was when right in the first flush of Purple Rain's, you know, well, it was 84 was Purple Rain, but that's when I first talked to him in 85. It was like this godlike cult reverence, almost the way people react to John Lennon or Bob Dylan. I think he's on that level. And what's so interesting is, is he never really did sell out. I'm so not a prince not apologist or whatever you call it, you know, but not a, 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 a behind kisser, but it's like, whereas um, all he could have purple rain sold 10 million copies and Warner brothers just wanted him to keep turning that out. And he could have done that, but he's the, he was a financial genius too. And he realized he could make as much money selling 250,000 copies of his records on the internet. If he owned the rights as he could if he sold 10 million copies of each album for Warner Brothers as they wanted. So moves like, you know, putting, you know, shaving the word slave into his beard to try to get out of his contract with Warner Brothers, everyone at the time thought he was just crazy. In fact, it was the most brilliant move, you know, business-wise he could have done, you know, and, uh, um, I think he will have a legacy. I mean, it was interesting when the 90s came and rap came in and suddenly it didn't matter that Prince could play 30 instruments. People became huge stars playing no instruments and not being able to sing, you know, the rap star. And he was really late in responding to that. And people thought, ooh, has he become irrelevant? But I think he really showed that, um, you know, he bounced back and he wasn't irrelevant and he didn't need to be the 10 million record selling single and I sort of saw him as being in that sort of like old blues tradition that like or jazz or like his father was where he was going to be making music at 82 you know like B.B. King or Muddy Waters or one of those guys and um, um, and what's funny is I mean not funny it's I mean the whole thing's tragic but everyone's talking about how he wasn't loyal to anybody he wasn't he no subject I've ever interviewed has been more loyal to me than him. He was more loyal to me than my editors. He does have this he's, this reputation of being uh, very standoffish, of not wanting to talk to the media, but you spent a lot of time with him. I mean, what, what was he like as a man? Well, he sure could be intimidating. He was very funny. People don't realize that. And he was very smart business-wise. You know, I've done, I, I did a book on the music business, and a lot of industry executives, industry executives, that was actually Warren Brothers, said the way you deal with musicians is the way you deal with children. I mean, um, not like in a mean way, but you're basically dealing with that. And he was very much in control of what was going on. And this whole thing about how he literally would, I mean, like Lisa and Wendy and his, you know, who he was incredibly close to, he just stopped talking to one day. And I asked him, was, why do you do this? You know, these are your best friends, you know, them, you know, um, and it's a repeating motif in his life and he just said what if everyone around left me and I was left all alone and um, um, I think it goes back to a lot of I mean this is you know Joyce Brothers armchair psychology he got kicked out of his house when he was 14 by his beloved father 
um, you know, the John Nelson, who had the Prince Rogers trio and named him after him, you know, the jazz group in the 40s and 50s. So I think it comes down to that. People were laughing. I thought I was joking when I said he kind of reminds me of Michael Scott on The Office, where he just wants to be loved, you know? I mean, I kind of was joking, but not really. I mean, he really did care about people. He cared that people loved him and he was loyal, but he could, you know. And the other thing is, too, people are like, how could he behave this way? You know, they have that professional persona. And they don't realize, where did he go to junior high? Bryant Junior High? I think he did. Like in eighth grade, he was walking down the halls of Bryant Junior High wearing women's underwear and a raincoat and nothing else. This is always um, who he was, what he was. You don't become a rock star by accident. Um, um, he did like that power. I remember I once got like summoned to L.A. We were working on a project. So he, he, he sent me out there, and I was like sitting in the um, – my hotel room for three days waiting for him. He'd provide a fancy hotel to pay for. They gave me a BMW. I mean, just for those days. Finally, after three days, it was like, I am too old for this. I was on like 30 or three. And I called him and I said, I'm, I'm going home, you know? And, uh, and he said, wait, 10 minutes. And literally like they came and picked me up right away. But I mean, he liked me and he kept me waiting for three days. Why? Not because he was a jerk, but because that's why you become a rock star, so you can make people wait for three days. You know, I mean, it was no mistake. So, you know, I'm we all, we all, I love talking for all reports, you know, get so cynical about just anybody dying. I mean, I used to write obits, so like nothing could shock me. And I'm really like, whoa, you know, um, and, uh, I think his legacy is going to, I think he will be remembered. I don't think he's going to be a footnote. Um, um, I was talking to someone who was 41 uh, last week who had never heard of Jack Benny. And I thought, and she was really smart. She's like head of IT at, at a college. And, really, and I thought, and I was just thinking, I wonder if he'll be like Jack Benny, you know, like the biggest star who then no one remembers 20 years after he's dead. And I think, he will be remembered as opposed to many other famous people. I don't think people here realized how huge an influence he was because we're so frightened of our own true geniuses, you know. Well, I, there is, there's this story or these stories that about huge amounts of material that are out there at Paisley Park yeah. just waiting to be released. I mean, obviously that stuff is going to come out over the years, yes, perhaps. over decades. I mean, it'll be like Jimi Hendrix is still putting out new records, you know, and this guy, and he has a lot more. I mean, it's, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. That was one of his big beefs with Warner Brothers, who I was doing a book on at the time, was he wanted to put out an album like every three months or every six months. And they, at most, they want someone to put out a record a year. You know, that's not the the business model or was, you know, to, to just keep, you know, saturating the market. So, um, you know, we may have just gotten our first one, you know, 25% of Prince's music. I mean, there's just so much, but that's sort of, I mean, he was a true genius just in terms of not just like, ah, his son, I mean, he could play 30 instruments. I mean, when they were filming Purple Rain, the producer came over and said, you know, what's missing. We, we need a number one hit. And, I think it was when Dove's Cry went to number one. And he like sat down and wrote it in 15 minutes. Um, 
it's whatever the song was that was number one off that. Um, and he could have done that over and over and over again. He knew the formula, which no one does, you know, um, but he chose not to. I think Michael Jackson will be remembered as a pop star. I think Prince will be looked at as something much, much, much different. <laughs> 